Well, we're into a new series, part, uh, second week of our new series called Sounds Familiar. And in this series, we're looking at passages of Scripture that maybe we know, uh, that may be familiar to us, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. And today I'm looking forward to speaking a little bit about uh, the story where Jesus encounters this woman who's caught in adultery. And he says this phrase that I'm sure we're very familiar with, go and sin no more. And we're going to dig into that a little bit today. Because if there's one thing I know, ladies and gentlemen, it's this. I am a sinner. Yes, I am. Uh, and so are you, just so we're clear. It's not just uh, my problem. Uh, we all have that. And that's because I sin, right? I do things the Bible says that I shouldn't do. The Bible says I shouldn't get angry. Uh, and sometimes I do. Uh, this is related to the second one. Sometimes, I mean, the Bible says unwholesome talk shouldn't come out of your mouth. And I confess that sometimes unwholesome talk comes out of my mouth, usually after I've hit myself with a blunt instrument uh, in my DIY efforts. The Bible says I should forgive and quickly. And sometimes it takes me a while to forgive, to let things go. Um, you know, hours or days uh, used to take me weeks, months, or years, so I'm improving, right? Hallelujah. Um, but the, the reality is, at the end of the day, is that I am a sinner. I'm such a sinner. And the problem is, is deeper than just that, because sin is actually a part of my life. And I, I know Jesus has saved me. I know because of what he did on the cross, my sin has been paid for. I've been washed clean. But, but my sinful nature is somehow always just there, right? Sound familiar? And here's the challenge, right? The challenge is, is that my sin condemns me. Like that's, I think that's one of the hardest things to deal with is the sense of condemnation that comes into our lives when we sin. It just confirms the thoughts that I have that tell me that I am a failure. It says that despite my best efforts, I am still, here it comes, I am tainted. And my awareness of my sinfulness it drags me down. It drains me of strength. It disempowers me. And that leads me to ask the question, is this really what God wants for us in this lifelong struggle against sin? You know, when Jesus spoke to the woman who was caught in adultery, when he said, go and sin no more, was he anticipating that those words would fill her with condemnation and a sense of failure, like we so often assume she felt? Or, knowing Jesus as you do, do you suspect that actually those words were intended to empower her, to shift her perspective in a helpful and strengthening way? Those words were actually given to build her up to help her see her life as God intended, to bring a fresh revelation and conviction into her life on what God intends for her. You see, I, I really believe that we need a fresh revelation, a fresh understanding of what the Bible means when we read the word sin. I think we actually need to understand what sin is. We need to understand what it is in our lives and what Jesus would have us do about it and why. Because I think that religion has given us a definition of sin that says this. It says that sin equals defective. 
And that if you are a sinner, then as a sinner, you are somehow, at a fundamental level, defective. But as we will see, sin really means something different to that. And I think we need to look at both the nature of sin and the consequences of sin. Because I think that on the whole, we've kind of got a fairly accurate idea of the consequence of sin, right? The result of sin, Romans 3 tells us, the wages of sin or the outcome or the consequences of sin is death. So the consequences of sin are a big deal. It's death, it's separation, it's endings. Um, No question about that. But I think that somewhere along the line, we have misunderstood the nature of sin. I think the devil has somehow got in here and twisted what this has become, and that sin has become integrally connected with condemnation and shame instead of conviction. And we need to understand conviction is an entirely different order of a thing than condemnation. It's so important we get this right. You see, condemnation and conviction are not synonyms. They are not similar, not in any way, shape, or form. They are day and night. They are black and white. And I'm convinced that the nature of sin is such that the way we have understood it, it's become so twisted that in order to manage it at an emotional and mental level, we do one of two things. Number one, we either rationalize and minimize it, which, which I just think is endemic in the, in the next generation coming through. We either rationalize it and minimize it because we have to find a deal with the, a way to deal with the condemnation and shame that so often seems to attend it, or what we do is we find it consumes us. It becomes a brutal taskmaster. It becomes like a devil sitting on our shoulder telling us that everything we do is tainted. Everything we do is unacceptable to God. Everything we do is bad. And so, in our efforts to be like Jesus, in our efforts to be holy, right, what we do is we find ourselves trying to be not defective. We find ourselves trying to be not bad, instead of trying to be our best, our best selves, living the best dream, making the best difference in the world for our best friend and God and King. You see, the problem with this idea that sin equals defective, that that as sinners, we are inherently defective, the problem is this. Number one is that our value is less. Our value is less. When you go shopping and you find an, find an item of clothing that you want and it's defective, what do you do? I know what my wife does. She goes up to the counter and says, this is defective, I would like 50% off, please. And usually she gets it. Because it's defective, its value is less. If a car is defective, people don't want to drive it. If a dishwasher is defective, people won't buy it. The problem was defective is its value is less. Secondly, When something is defective, its potential is less. If something is defective, it cannot perform to the fullness of what it is created to do. And that leads us to the third one, which is if something is defective, it is beyond our ability to change. If something in me, something deep within me that affects my behavior is defective, how do I I change that? How do I fix that? What do I do about that? 
And so we come to the story that we're going to talk about today, the scripture. So the Pharisees have, have organized and they've caught a woman caught in adultery. She was sleeping with someone else's husband. And they drag her before Jesus and a crowd gathers because they are trying to force Jesus to do something that will destroy his popularity with the crowds. And so knowing that the Levitical law says that a woman caught in adultery must be stoned to death, they bring her before Jesus and said, Sinner, this is what the law says, what do you say? Of course, Jesus, the master, with one phrase, levels the playing field. He says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone, making it very clear that sin is sin. And, and, and if we're going to judge sin, then we're going to judge sin. And so the crowd slowly disperses until it's just Jesus and the woman left. And so he looks at her and he says, has no one condemned you? She looks around, not. And then he says, well, then, you know what? Neither am I going to condemn you. Mm. That, that's a huge statement. Neither will I condemn you. And then he says this to her. Go and sin no more. Now, the word from which we get the English word sin is the Greek word hamatano. Hamatano. It's a very interesting word, and it's very interesting what the original usage of the Greek word is, both in Greek literature and in the biblical texts, because in not one case does that word hamatano mean defective. Not one case. The word hamatano is used both in Greek literature and in the biblical text as described by Thayer's Greek lexicon, one of the most respected Greek dictionaries that is used by biblical scholars and Strong's Concordance. And every occasion where that word is utilized, it means one of four things. Let me go through those. Number one, it means to be without a share in the prize or reward. It means to be without a share in the prize or reward. Number two, it means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. Number three, it means to make a mistake or to be mistaken. And then fourthly, it means to miss the path or to wander from the path of honor, uprightness, or of God's law. Those are the four ways that word is used in Scripture. And, and we know God's intent, right? Scripture says, for now there is no condemnation through Christ Jesus. There, there, God's intent is that through what Jesus did on the cross, there's condemnation. It's just not something that we should experience anymore. And Jesus says this, this to the woman, I'm not going to condemn you. So how then has the devil so affected us that when we read this passage, we can literally feel her condemnation? Go and sin no more. And we think she slinks away with her condemnation and her shame. How, how do we read it that way? You see, here's the thought today. Being a sinner does not mean you are defective. Being a sinner means you are missing it. Let me unpack this a bit more. It means you are missing it. You are off the pace. You are off track. You are off in the weeds. You are missing out. You are missing out now, and you are in danger of missing out for all eternity. And That should be a massive wake-up call. And realizing you have sin means realizing you have to take action. And you need to take action now. So when Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you, what would she have heard? 
And of course, this is the very first task of biblical exegesis, right? Biblical interpretation always starts with this. What would the original hearers have heard and understood? And until we can answer that, we cannot interpret it for our usage today. That is always the first task. So that's the question. What would she have heard when Jesus looked her in the eyes and says, neither will I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, based on these definitions and the understandings of what the Greek word hamatano means, I suggest that this is what she would have heard when Jesus looked her in the eyes and probably smiled and said, go and sin no more. You see, he starts by saying, go. It's like he's saying, get into it. Go for it. The future is ahead of you. You've got a second chance here. So make a new commitment. Make it now. Get out there and take action and get moving. And then he says, sin no more. And she would have heard him saying, and, and, and don't end up without a share of God's prize. With everything that you have, remember the great reward that is held out for you, that God has for you. If you will just run this race, this life to win, don't miss out on the prize. Don't miss out on the party at the end of the ages, which he later in another parable ex- describes. He says, don't miss out on the honor. Don't miss out on the satisfaction. You have a share in that. Don't miss out. Be there on the podium. Be there receiving the medals. There is a medal, and your name is already engraved on it. And I am looking forward to the day of giving that to you. Do not miss out on that share. There is a reward for all of the effort and the hard work and the sacrifice to be the best you. Do not miss out on your share. Second, she would have heard in the same thing. So don't miss the bullseye anymore. Don't aim low. Don't just try and hit the target. Stop allowing yourself to settle for average, for second best. Go for the center. Go for gold in your life. Aim for the best, the top, the very center. Do not waste another arrow. Do not waste another effort. Do not waste another day. Not giving your life your fullest attention, your hardest work, your clearest focus, and your best action. And finally, I believe she would have heard, so get back on track. Get back on the path. Get back on the road of honor and uprightness that you are called to as someone who loves God. Get back on the track of God's best instructions of how to be the best you that he created you to be. Now, can you feel how different that is? Can you feel the difference between condemnation and shame and conviction? See, I don't think she slunk away in her shame and condemnation. I think she strode away with her head held high, full of a conviction that he is right this is my chance. I can, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to do this differently from this moment on. That is how I absolutely believe she walked away as Jesus stood there watching with a smile on his face. Now within this, it is important that we understand the consequence of sin. We've got to realize that missing the mark is a big deal. We make a huge mistake if we think that it's not a big deal. That it's just like, ah, oh, I just missed the mark. Ah, oh, I just got it. Oh, I just made a mistake. No. Actually, it is a big deal. You know, missing the mark, the consequences of missing the mark can be horrific. You see, missing the mark, it's not like a sports person missing a goal. It's more like an, more like an airliner pilot missing the runway. That's what it's like. You know, the consequences impact lives 
and families in massive and devastating ways. You know, when you're an airline pilot, you don't go, ah, you know, it's been a tough week. We'll have a crack at the runway. Oh, I hope I don't miss it today. But we'll give it a crack. I mean, that never enters into, I mean, if it does enter into a pilot, you don't want to be on that plane, you know what I'm saying? Like, our pilots go into their life, their mission, their career, their call going, it will never happen. I will never miss a runway. I will never miss a runway. I mean, you know, and we have to have the same attitude when it comes to missing the mark. We will never miss the mark. But if we do, the great thing is, gee, there is no condemnation in that. Jesus says, second chance, here we go again. Lift your eyes again, refocus again. Let's come on, let's do this again. Because it is all still out in front of you. And there is a share that he wants you to own and step into. We must not miss what God has called us to hit. Do we get that this morning? He's called you to great things. So as the team come, as we come to the close, can we go back to Jesus again for a moment and this woman caught in adultery? Can we see that there really was no condemnation there? That Jesus wasn't just gruffly saying, neither do I condemn you then. No, no, that, that, that's not the Jesus we know. I see Jesus with a smile. I'm not going to condemn you. She, she, it was the crowd that condemned her. Jesus never condemned her. It never entered into his mind. There's no condemnation. There's just a timely, urgent, powerful motivation for her to stop missing the mark in her life. A powerful encouragement that of all the things that she'd done wrong in the past, Jesus was about to go to the cross and he will sort all those out. And can I say to you this morning, all the things you've done wrong in the past, all of the things that maybe you've heard or caused damage, all those, Jesus has already been to the cross for that. The price has already been paid. Forgiveness has already been extended. Those have already been dealt with. And for the things you're dealing with now, the blood of Jesus covers that as well. And from this moment on, you don't need to stay in condemnation. You don't need to stay in shame. Jesus never intended you to, not for a second. But he wants you in this place to realize that you must go forward and lift your aim. You must go forward, better focus, because he has called you to something greater and better. And he wants you to be there with him on that final day. She just needed to look in his eyes. She just needed to feel his belief in her. And go and make a new life starting today. And can I say to you, you just need to look in his eyes. You just need to feel his belief in you today. And maybe some of us here need to make some decisions to go and start something new. It's like Jesus is saying, I will see you on that last day. I will be looking for you. And my reward will be with me. Your reward will be with me. Don't let me down. Be there on that day. So what I want to do now is I want to ask you, are there any sinners in the house? I know there's certainly one on stage. I want to ask you, do you have sin in your life. And I'm not just talking about a, a broad theological for we're all sinners. But if you've got stuff in your life you know you're missing the mark on. I don't care if it's big. I don't care if it's small. I don't care what it is. 
But do you have stuff in your life that you know you're missing the mark on, you're caught in the weeds on? You've lowered your standard. You've lowered your gaze. You've made a mistake. You've got off the path, whatever it is. Because if that's you, I'm going to do something in a moment that I believe will be very powerful for us. And, and I don't know who's going to join me in this. I know that in a few moments, I'm going to ask people with sin in their lives to stand. And I'm going to be standing, and I don't know if there's going to be one person standing with me, or, and it makes no difference to me. But if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you've got sin in your life that you're aware of, regardless of how big or small it is, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to say to you, the same words that Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery. I'm going to say to you the same words she heard when he said those words. And I'm believing for condemnation and shame to be done in our lives this morning. That we might be free from the thing that drags us down and holds us down and disempowers us. And find again a fresh conviction in us which lifts us and strengthens us and empowers us to go and live differently. Live our best lives. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning? Are you feeling a little bit uncomfortable? I know I am. So what I'm going to do is in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And on three. I'm going to ask you, if that's you this morning, to join me and to stand and to say, I'm done with shame and condemnation. And I want to speak to you the words that that woman caught in adultery heard when Jesus said to her, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. So, Anyone with me? One, two, three. So, my fellow sinners, I want to say to you this morning, go! Get into it. This life that God has called you to live and to lead, the future is ahead of you. Are you hearing me this morning? I want you to receive this. Some of you might need to even lift your hands in some sort of act of surrender. Open yourself a little bit. For some of us this morning, this is some of the hardest stuff we've ever heard. Isn't that crazy? I say to you, go and get into it. You have a second chance. Make a new commitment today. Take action. Get moving. Go and sin no more. Don't end up without a share of God's prize. With everything you have, remember the great reward that God has for you. If you will win in your life, don't miss out on the prize, on the party, on the honor, on the satisfaction. Be there on the podium. Be there receiving the medals. There is a medal for you. It's already engraved with your name and Jesus is carrying it and all you've got to do is trust Him and lift your gaze. There is a share of the winnings. There is a reward for all of the battles, all of the struggles, all of the effort and hard work that has gone in to be the best you you know how to be. Do not miss out on your share. 
And I want to say to you, don't miss your bullseye. Don't aim low. Don't just hit the target. Stop settling for average or second best. Go for gold in your life. Aim for the best that Jesus is calling you to aim for. Don't waste another arrow. Don't waste another effort. Don't waste another day not giving your life your fullest attention, your hardest work, your clearest focus, your best action. And so stop making the mistakes. Come on, be crystal clear on what the mistakes are you are making and eradicate them. And get back on track toward the prize, your best life, the things that God is calling you to. So get back on track. Get out of the weeds. Get back on the path, back on the road of honor and uprightness and God's best instructions for you. The Lord does not condemn you. He forgives you. You are forgiven. Receive it this morning. And I declare condemnation in Jesus' name broken today over every life here. I break the power of condemnation and shame that has been spoken out by you or by somebody else over your life. I break that in Jesus' name. And devil, I tell you, back off in Jesus' name. I declare you have no place, authority, or role here. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over every life, every dream, every hope, every future right now in Jesus' name. I declare freedom, hallelujah. Freedom, freedom, freedom in Jesus' name name. You are not defective. Hallelujah. Mighty God, we thank you, Lord. It's like I can almost hear, hear the sound of shame and condemnation hitting the floor. Just let it go. Just drop it. Just take your hands off it. Just let it fall off you like an old coat you don't need anymore that you shrug your shoulders out of and just let it fall to the ground. Father, I just pray, Lord, you pour your grace out this morning. Your healing, Lord Jesus, out this morning into every heart and soul. And you know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you once did and you've drifted from Him, I want to say to you, you know that He loves you, right? You know that He doesn't condemn you. Don't leave this place without having that conversation with He who looks you in the eyes and smiles and says, I don't condemn you. And that conversation just goes something like this. From your heart, between you and Him, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. God, I admit I'm a sinner. God, I admit I've missed the mark. I got off track. I got caught in the weeds. God, I made some mistakes. God, I was mistaken about things. But I believe Jesus, you went to the cross. You dealt with all that for me. And now here again in your grace, there is forgiveness. And so once again, I put my trust in you right now, right here. I put my faith in you, Jesus, that you will take me and take my life in this beautiful second chance, God. And as I follow you and trust you, God, I will live my best life in you. Thank you for making me your own this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.